0: Off The Mat Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Bear. Uh, This is our podcast where we talk about anything and everything jiu-jitsu related and some things not. So uh, I have my amazing friend here, a a good teammate of mine. Um, I I guess he's a student, but he's a teammate of mine. And uh, man, he he helps me grow a lot of ways. And uh, it's a bit of an inspiration and help planting the seed on these things like uh, Off The Mat and all the very colorful mentality. So Oh, let me not explain too, too much. This is uh, my man, Tony Tony Tone. What's up, brother?
1: Hey, what's up? What's up, Billy? What's up, people? <laughs> you doing
0: all right, my man? How's uh, how's everything been?
1: Oh, things been really chill. Yeah? So for people who don't know, I'm a teacher in college and um, just started my, my summer where I don't work as much. I teach a few classes, but basically I'm at home, so uh, <clears throat> things have been going pretty well right now. That's cool. That's cool. So... Uh uh tony we've been
0: been good friends going on about two years now right mm-hmm. two years uh, a little over two
1: years now yeah
0: purple belt in jiu-jitsu uh helps out a lot with the beginners class with a lot of uh, a lot of the guys not even just the beginners but mainly like runs that and um yeah man so what when did you start doing jiu-jitsu what kind of got you into jiu-jitsu and um man i think that's just going to be a good topic because it's going to help us ramble on anything else
1: nice nice um <laughs> when you asked me that question, like, why did you start? Uh, that reminded me of a story that I want to tell. So I'm going to try not to forget about it. But um, man, uh, the UFC, November 12th, 1993. Uh, this is a lot of people's story. Uh, why they started jiu-jitsu is because of uh, Hoist Gracie and UFC 1. That's, so uh, coincidentally, that the same day that uh, UFC 1 premiered, that was my birthday so uh, november 12th is my birthday i guess everybody there you go
0: wow <laughs> like, yeah it's coming up <laughs>
1: coming up <clears throat> uh yeah you know just like the rest of the world we were like really impressed and shocked with how effective jujitsu was against um all kinds of different fighters you know yeah different skill sets different disciplines and jujitsu really did a smaller thinner weaker man came out on top and and so that got me interested but we didn't have jiu-jitsu in corpus christi where i grew up. In the early 90s so i ended up doing karate uh but i was doing karate with friends who were black belts in other disciplines like so one of my friends was a black belt in judo he was a junior olympic champion another one of my friends was a taekwondo champion you know he competed all the time and they were mixing it up doing karate so i remember in those early years of course i was like early 20s and i really loved it then ended up getting injured um because it was like that slap karate where people actually end up fighting and sparring and all that stuff. And I ended up getting injured and I stopped for a very long time. So That's fast I forward. Say.
0: Was, <laughs> I think what you're talking about in that time was is popular, especially here. I know uh, there's a, a guy, Jeff Binogli, his name, uh, we call him Hanchi. He is um, Alyssa's um, uh, professor, original professor. Um, awesome guy. Uh, shout out to Jeff. But yeah, he was like, they would talk about storming gyms back in the day. Oh, right? yeah. They would like, fight like, straight up. they challenge the whoever, like, we want to, this is our martial art we want to go ahead and test. I don't know if you got I know. I know the intensity that you're talking about because, like, uh, yeah. when there's those real gyms that, that did it. And um, I don't know. You never had anybody storm the gym? Nobody ever came and tried to challenge anybody? mm <laughs> we, we did have that one incident at our gym.
1: Yes, we did. Yeah. Oh, that was terrible.
0: Anyway, go ahead. Keep going. With we your... can
1: also come back to that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, fast forward the movie. You know, Life Happened. Um, I was a young father when I started doing uh, karate and all that that stuff, and and um, there was no jiu-jitsu in my city at the time, you know, but little did I know there were there were so many people fired up about jiu-jitsu around the same time. Uh, Corpus has some black belts that were like my friends, you know, and they all have been black belts for a long time, so jiu-jitsu got really popular in my city, and one of my closest friends in the world, I've known him over 35 years, uh, his name is Ismail Ismail Ariola. And I've been friends with he and his family for decades and decades. So um, he started doing judo because of his brother.
0: Okay.
1: And uh, his brother, uh, Roger, and uh, I would call him Roger Dodger. So shout out to Roger Dodger and Corpus. uh, He would go to the YMCA and take judo classes. And this was, we're talking like early 90s.
0: Wow. And so
1: he would take my friend Ismail to judo and they were doing grappling too. And so ismail has been doing you know, grappling probably for 30 years or maybe just a long time. He's been since we were teenagers. And so over that, you know, over those 20 or 25 years that he's been doing grappling, he's like constantly inviting me to go. Let's go. Let's take a class or whatever. Then he started doing jujitsu in the early 2000s. And, um, you know, every now and then, you know, we we moved apart. We were in different cities, different states at times. Uh, anytime we would visit, he would like drive me to a freaking open mat. Yeah. So without even telling me. <laughs> Dang,
0: okay. Hey, we're hanging
1: out. We would be drinking the night before, you know, like just going, you know, Dang. just getting tore up Dang and getting, the next day yeah. hung over and he's like, let's go to an open mat. <laughs> you oh, know? wow. Please so just pull up on a gym, you know, because we have a lot of friends. When was this? Man, this all, all of this started probably in the early 2000s. Okay. You know, when he started. So in the last 20 years, yeah, he's taken me to several open mats. One of those that I didn't even realize we took a trip to New York in 2013 and he took me to um marcelo garcia's gym dude one. <laughs> bernardo Faria was teaching the class and uh i had never done a day of jiu-jitsu in my life
0: uh, you said bernardo the guy that's on uh
1: yeah uh huge honor for me yeah, that guy <laughs> yeah it's
0: a huge honor for me okay yeah so
1: this is that's 2013 cool. and bernardo was still there teaching it's... so we go in there and we end up rolling and i'm just like man what is this? Like I, I was fighting for my life. I had no idea what I was doing, but everybody was super nice there. Um, I played rugby when I was in college in the early '90s, and you uh, know I felt like I was just tackling people. Okay. You know I would just tackle people and hold them down, and and yeah, but I never wanted to do it. I yeah. never wanted to do it. Okay, so that was uh, the last time I went to an open mat was probably 2013. Um, 2018. Fast forward. Um, married. I have a stepdaughter, and. Uh, My wife and I were looking for some activity to put her in. You know, they would teach discipline. It would be good for self-defense. You know, so I was always concerned about my daughter's safety. And And you weren't training by this time?
0: I wasn't training.
1: I was severely overweight at the time. I was probably pushing 250. Okay. It's like short and fat (laughs) and old. And so I took her to a gym. Uh, It was actually the third gym. We went to a couple. I'm not going to name names. We went to a couple. We just didn't feel it. Then we ended up at a Terra association affiliate which uh super nice people everybody was super nice and so we got my daughter involved and she was doing the classes and then she was getting a bit like discouraged about it like man I'm kind of scared of this and and I was like, you know what um I'm going to jump in with you I All just right. felt like let me just lead by example we're kind of putting her put her into this scary environment and I said let me let me go ahead and jump in with you so that's when I started it was you know like February of 2018 okay yeah
0: Man, all right, all right. So that's whenever everything started kicking off jujitsu wise. Yeah, and you were already professor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And by this point, understanding jujitsu, I think, uh, was probably a bit different. Whenever you started learning disciplines, mm-hmm. whenever you were younger, so whenever you probably saw jujitsu, I, I I always think of jujitsu. I got the chessboard on the table, with at least the box. Mm. And um, oh, I see that. You know, I always think about like jujitsu being that kind of sense of you know everybody does. It's not like I'm the original guy. That has that thought there's memes and pictures all about it but uh you know you got to move across the board and whenever you became a professor or mm-hmm. not I guess you weren't training jiu-jitsu and then becoming a professor you already were teaching um do you believe that this is knowing what you have in your story and then picking up jiu-jitsu a little bit later do you think that those two help you correlate and understand and apply jiu and kind of harmonize and help each other in both realms mm-hmm. being a professor and, and communicating data and yeah. then turning around and then trying to apply techniques and then learn from people that maybe have like a a barrier or mm-hmm. um you know there's just challenges in all ways of learning in, in jujitsu so
1: yeah yeah a lot of things attracted me to jujitsu um at, fir- at first it was just this idea that i needed to uh, lose weight Mm-hmm. That was like the first thing. I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not, so coming into it at 43 years old, I was like, okay, well, I don't know. I'm not going to be trying to, I'm not going to be like the next adult world champion. Um, I was already like master three, I think when I came into it. So I was thinking, um, I like this because there's training involved and I'm a, a certified corporate trainer as well as a communication professor. And so I kind of nerd out on the teaching of things like training, mm-hmm. like how we train skills. So that was always something that was really fascinating to me is like how we train the skill. And I see the training that happens in most gyms is like really on par with good training principles. Yeah. You know, because typically there's an explanation of a technique, you know, there's some information about it. And then there's a demonstration of it. You know, the professor always demonstrates it. And then there's this encouragement of let's go ahead and try it. Now you try it, right? Mm -hmm. Professor walks around, does some encouraging and correcting. And that is literally the model for training a skill. So I really like that, you know, training seemed to be very um, effective in jiu-jitsu gyms. The only problem was the barrier of language. Mm -hmm. So I started with a Brazilian teacher who really couldn't communicate uh, very well. And so, you know, I would always help out. I knew Portuguese, so I would always help out, like, with words and ways of explaining things. Uh, (laughs) So fast forward going into Ohana West.
0: Why'd you learn Portuguese if you didn't know jiu-jitsu already?
1: (laughs) Right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, my wife is Brazilian. Uh, my, my stepdaughter, uh, she's from Brazil as well. Uh, we met online about 10 years ago, I think. Wow. I, I was scrolling through Instagram and I noticed a beautiful picture of, uh, the Christ, the Redeemer statue Yeah. that's in Rio. So the classic Jesus Christ statue, uh-huh. you know, that's super tall. Arms out. Uh, I think it's one of the wonders of the world, I think.
0: Is it? I mean, yeah, seven, right? Where's Jamie? Yeah, no. Fact way. check that.
1: Of <laughs> course, <Where's laughs> Kaylee. No. Uh, All <clears> right. <throat> so I made a comment on that photo, uh, and I don't know if I tagged my friend. My friend and I were going to go to world, the World Cup. Yeah. This friend is mild. This black belt friend of mine, and we were going to go to the World Cup, and my wife and I would debate back and forth, like who made contact first. Did she, you know, um, at me or did I at her, or how do how do we do this? So I took a screenshot of it, and I did. I asked her a question about it, and she started commenting back. And next thing you know, we were chatting in Facebook, and we just didn't stop, you know? Wow. So then I would go there, she would come here, and then we eventually got married.
0: Did she speak English? No. No so she didn't speak english so, you so had the to reason learn.
1: i had to learn is because we couldn't even communicate like <laughs> like
0: there was a, like social media was translating it for you at first right
1: yeah no it didn't have that option like i no. literally had to like type everything i wanted to say in google translator oh wow and then just like make a bunch of mistakes which is a bit like juju too making a bunch of mistakes learning through those mistakes but uh, for the first 10 months we did, there was no english spoken in our in our relationship Wow. So I had to learn I had to learn it but I'm a communication person and I really enjoy learning about language and I, I had already been trying to learn Portuguese even before mm-hmm. you know I met my wife. Um, so at the time in the first 10 months I was studying so much that uh, I kind of forgot how to speak Spanish. my wires got crossed. Wow yeah so now I struggle to speak Spanish where I can speak Portuguese fluidly, fluently fluently. Uh, yeah. So yeah that's how I learned Portuguese. <laughs>
0: That's such a That's such a benefit of a tool to have whenever you're on the mat. So now that helps you out with uh, just understanding concepts on the mat with uh, with uh, Brazilian professors mm-hmm. and stuff like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, like when I go to Brazil, uh, I usually I have friends who have academies there, and I'll go there and I'm able to you know communicate, which really makes me feel good. There's a lot of freedom in that, mm-hmm. you know, where I can just travel around without worrying about the language barrier.
0: Okay, now. Um, I like where we're going, so I'm just gonna go ahead and kind of hop into it because of the topic that we I do wanna kind of hit uh, that we talked about that we we're gonna say. So we we I don't know if you're familiar. I think you you brought it up, but uh, there's this group is called the the midlife rollers. They're mm-hmm. Right, at forty year old forty year old and up. Oh yes, right that group. Mm-hmm. So um i'm part of that group but i'm like a am like a shadow member like i I don't want to get banned so i just like stay quiet like i'm (laughs) 35 and a half so let me not like
1: (laughs) not old enough for the club i'm not old enough for the club so i can't
0: say much you know i'm a little achy but i don't allow myself to say that i'm old and i don't want to be old but um you know that that, as far as having that mindset and i don't think anybody that's on the mat i don't ever consider them old because i I believe what i'm saying it, it should be applied uh, everybody should have that same concept of believing that you can do it. So age doesn't really matter if, as long as you're just just striving. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there is uh, David. He's uh, the the uh, owner of that that group or the the spokesman, I should say. And uh, and um, also he, he runs Club Boost. So he's uh, my sponsor. So shout out to him. Uh, unnecessary plug and uh, just a sh- shameless plug but that guy's awesome and uh, he made this group so he has awesome you know G brand and then uh, he also has uh, this group that he uh, he made um, and then people are part of it and it actually picked up so much I see so much traffic in it um, That it was it just caught my attention and whenever you brought it up a little bit later on it's like oh yeah definitely so Mm -hmm. it was just an organic thing it was where where I believe it was a topic to discuss where we're a little bit older mid midlife and uh, some would categorize and uh, how do you continue to push through the mat how do you uh, uh, preserve yourself how do you avoid injury or how do you deal with injury Um, I believe these are some questions that some folks might be curious about and um since uh you know you don't you're not as old as a dinosaur yet um (laughs) you wanted to talk about it too and i think that it was a cool topic of discussion so i got a lot of respect for you i I respect where you come from and and you know these kinds of things so what do you do that you might feel like is different than the younger crowd and then the new guys that come in like white belts that maybe want to push and maybe want to make a point like I can beat the guy that has a colored belt mm-hmm. and uh and mm-hmm. might go crazy so what are some things that you might want to do what you would recommend to some guys out there that might want to start doing jujitsu, and they're a
1: little bit older and apprehensive at the same time Mm hmm. yeah because that's me I'm in that category I'm 47 years old so this year I'll be 48 um I definitely don't feel as uh energetic and I don't have as much stamina as I did when I was 25 or 27 even even 30 but um, it's important to understand that anybody can do jiu-jitsu. Like, jiu-jitsu literally is for everybody, and I think you agree with that, yeah. uh, no matter how old you are. But I mean, at some point, you have to accept the reality that, you know, our age is going to catch up with us. Mm-hmm. And so specifically for, you know, for guys who are in their 40s, uh, you just have to accept this reality that we're just not going to perform like we used to, and our recovery is going to take a lot longer. You know, yeah. so when I go hard one day in the gym, it it requires like three days of recovery for me, mm-hmm. you know, where my body is just not working very well. Where I might be sore, if I've already got some injuries, so some of those injuries get, I get re-injured or they just become real sensitive, you know? And so then that's gonna affect how hard I can train uh, the next time. So yeah. you have to be very selective and you just have to accept that you're not gonna be able to beat that 25 year old like forever
0: right well i mean i don't know man like i I believe you and i know what you mean but i think that i think eventually you're going to tap into something where your game is going to be so mature where you're going to be like oh all right you rabid kid gonna just go ahead and yes and then you're just gonna you're gonna flow with it like uh because i feel like i'm on the cusp of that where i don't i'm not like an old i'm not saying like anything bad but i'm not like saying uh I don't have any strength like if there's somebody that's like 20 and they want to throw Mm -hmm. their strength I feel like I got like that uh that dad strength you know what I mean like I if like I had to pick up a transmission and move Mm -hmm. it across the garage like you know I just have like I don't I don't even smoke cigarettes but if I grabbed a cigarette and lit it then I'd like be able to pick up 20 more pounds probably and then drag (laughs) the transmission across the floor maybe but what I'm saying is like uh I feel like I can match some strength if I have to, but I'm getting into mm. a point, especially now with the injury, where I know that I have to finesse so much stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I've been feeling, I've been doing it already, especially before whenever I was feeling injury coming on, uh, where I'm just, I don't know. I don't want to hijack what you're saying, but I believe that you're going to be able to like flip it real quick. Like, you know, Elio Gracie, whenever he was old, he was still able to like kind of,
1: not everybody, yeah.
0: but he was still able to like, Really divert people's energy and uh, force in uh, their.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I think he trained until Pressure. he was 95 and he Damn. stopped training 10 days before he died.
0: Oh my God. And
1: mm-hmm. I remember seeing videos of him uh, early on in the day. You know, when you're a white belt, you do probably most people just do a lot of research. They just mm-hmm. read a lot, you know. And I remember seeing videos of. Um, so he really couldn't roll anymore. So he would lay on his back and then just defect into his neck. And he would just have like a white belt or somebody try to do like an X choke on him. And that was how he trained at 95. Like he, that's all he could do, but he was still doing it. You know, he was doing something. Yeah. Yeah, Just don't get choked. Yeah. Um, I think that Elio Gracie's uh, mentality was uh, survival first. Mm -hmm. Like just get really good at surviving. And that's a really good game plan for somebody who's older. Because like you said, matching power for power or trying to match up some young person's energy level. uh, It's not a smart game to play.
0: Right. I believe that uh, injury is, um, if you're not aware of where, where what you're doing, it's inevitable. And uh, even whenever you are aware, I think it's still a high risk, high percentage kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's unfortunate, but I believe, I, and, I, and I was thinking this all the way up until like the moment that I had to go to the doctor. I was always thinking I, I was able to preserve myself and play in a way that I was avoiding injury and I was feeling really good about it and uh, I was very conscious about that. And um, I was thinking in the form of like breaking an arm or breaking a leg Mm. or tearing my knee, you know, like always trying to make sure I'm I'm catching myself right and I'm Mm. not playing where my knee is in a dangerous position. If somebody's going to reap me and they're going to try to turn and even if it's illegal, I'm going to like fall with it and turn in that direction. And that was my main thing. That was my main thing of like, let me try to avoid injuries that are that are high percentage in jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And a hernia wasn't one of them until, uh, ch- Jesus, man, at our gym, we had like three or four guys that just had them. And I think it's a common thing yeah. the more and more that I did the research in it. But it was like, oh, wow, these things are happening. And I do believe they are preventable. And I think that awareness is the key.
1: Yeah, right? I, I agree with you. So this past week, I went to Denver, to visit my good friend, who who ultimately was the one who nudged me into doing jujitsu, um, and he's my age, so we're all master four. Typically, the guys that we're training were like master three, master four. Yeah. And it felt really good to train with guys that they know, you know, like they just know the struggle. You yeah. Know? And Ismail's uh, philosophy there is uh, safety first, like taking care of your teammates. Right. So at the beginning of any class, he'll always say that, like, take care of your teammates. And um, Ismail's uh, phrase has always been tap fast and tap often. You know, tap early, tap often. And I think, so going back to uh, guys in their 40s or whatever middle-aged guys rolling, you just have to swallow the ego. Like the jujitsu is going to annihilate the ego. It really will. You know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So some guys are not going to accept it and they're going to leave perhaps, maybe come back some other time, but they're going to leave because they're not winning per se. Right. When you're getting older and you're in your 40s, um, like you're not going to go... You know, you're you're not going to, you're going to get better technically perhaps. Yeah. But you still have an aging body. Like Mm -hmm. your body is still becoming even more limited, you know, with every year that passes. So you have to accept the fact that you're going to get tapped. You're going to get tapped. You're going to lose. Yeah. And I think dealing with that early is the most important thing.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's important. Whenever you shed the ego, I'm so glad that you say that because it's uh, something that I mentioned sitting in this room talking on the podcast by myself. And um. It's one of those things that's necessary, like having to leave the ego at the door, leave your and it's a, a sanctuary in a way where if you can do that, then you exercise the mind in a way where you can leave the other things and other stresses at the door, and then now all of a sudden you like really are able to improve at something there, right? Mm-hmm. So that's another uh, like those an episode that that we're going to be coming out with here, and like how jujitsu helps with the mental health that, that I uh, done, done and. Um, I think that's just another aspect of jujitsu. But whenever it comes to avoiding injury, mm-hmm. um, the preparation, the of getting to the mat, both at competition, both at um, just training, right? Sometimes, I believe that it's the the motions that we go through that get our muscles ready, but also uh, the things that we could do beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever I talk about like maybe eating, like uh, I th- I think that I've been eating bad and feeling like I can work out and then push through it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, not the worst things in the world, but I'm not paying attention. And I, and I was at a point where I was eating high salt. And then I would, um, like, salty diet and heavy salt diet. And then uh, I would go and I would just train. And then I would go teach. I would warm up. I would teach, tell people to warm up. And then I would show the technique. And then people are going to roll. And then i just hop in and start rolling. And I believe that those are the things that are going to hyper... Like put you on a hyperdrive for injury, you know. If you're not paying attention 100%. to those little things, do that like five times a week, right? Man, that's huge. A couple times a day, that's not good.
1: Man, when I was in my tw- when I was 21, I could go on an all night bender, drinking all night, stay up, get one hour of sleep, and go and train the next day or go for a run, and I didn't even blink. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't even get sore. <laughs> but now, I, I you know you need lots of rest, and what you eat is going to encourage inflammation. It's going to like. So if you eat a lot of sugar, if you drink a lot of beer, which, you know, I do like to drink beer, like mm-hmm. I have a beer after training, but that might not benefit you, you know? Yeah. The food you eat, if you eat just trash, when you're in your forties, you're gonna feel it. Right. Way more and it's gonna have a, a consequence. Yeah. And even if you're not getting enough sleep. Like you really have to get good sleep and rest and that's part of recovery. And then you also have to learn how to stretch too.
0: Mhm.
1: So, you know, coming into jiu-jitsu in your forties. Uh, you really have to be more aware of your body, your limitations, yep. and you have to take care of your diet much more closely and uh, recovery. Yeah. Like knowing like you can't train every day. Maybe you can, but you're going to – every time I try to train like three or four days in a row, I'm, I always get injured. Yeah. you know. And
0: it's funny too because supplements do help. Like there's BCAAs you got um a glutamine you got all these different kinds of uh of things that can help aid in the recovery process but i think you said something that was very important and uh, something that i'm like still worried like i'm i wish i had more of a grasp on I, I don't know if i need to do a sleep study or something but just my lack of rest because your body releases those proteins that help you recover whether it's an injury a sickness your immune system uh you know whatever it is with your body um, those things are released in that time where you sleep and then you rest. And if you get that, if you don't do that, um, that's one of those things that's just going to keep eating away at you a little bit at a time, eating away at your immune system, eating away at your joints, eating away at your, at your um, your, um, cardio stuff like that. So I know Rob was going to, um, uh, Granado, the roofer, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have him on here pretty soon. And, um, He was uh, talking a little bit about that, about being a business owner Mm -hmm. and then about having to like uh, just stay on top of all these things, being a a father and all that. So I don't want to get too much into that because I know he's going to have some keywords and things he's going to chat about. But um, the rest, I believe, is very important. If Mm -hmm. you don't get that sleep, uh, man, I believe that that's important for anybody, any athlete. Uh, But whenever we are getting... I don't know. I'm 35. I, I think that it's super important because there's days where I feel super sluggish. And I think that that is what led up to injury because I would still try to uh, appease the team and make sure that if there was odd, that I'm going to still hop in and make sure nobody's just sitting down. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, but you're doing
1: that for how many classes? Yeah. You know, every day, you know, it's not sustainable.
0: It was for three years. Like I thought that it was a, uh, I thought it was all right, but um, you know, now looking at it hindsight, def- definitely isn't something that makes too much sense. Where it's like, uh, just keep burning that midnight oil—not midnight oil, but you know what I'm saying. And uh, it was—it it did a toll after three years of like, all right, maybe one class I'll hop in and roll, or uh, maybe there's a day where I don't have to roll. But um, as of late, in the last like year of the classes growing and then an odd person in there and then not recognizing the whole team and, and being comfortable with somebody sitting down, I would put that pressure on myself to make sure I was rolling. And I know that right before I got hurt myself, it was like three days, uh, or it would be like rolling three times a day and then it would just be that consistent routine. It, would, it, it, was, a, it was a detriment, it was almost toxic uh, to the body. And it's, it's one of those things where if you just allow yourself to go into autopilot, You're not gonna do the right things, you're just gonna do what your the routine that your body's used to. Mm And uh, I learned that the hard way.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I I learned a lot of things the hard way in jujitsu and it's jujitsu is like life. You know, you're gonna learn some of your hardest lessons by being stubborn or by not listening to the basics that your professor taught in the beginning, you know. Yeah. (laughs) And you're gonna end up going, Ah, I learned it the hard way, you know. Crossing your feet on the back.
0: (laughs) You know, we all go through that.
1: I've been there a white belt um uh submitted me by by doing the ankle lock from when I had her back. so And it yeah. was a female. I won't say who. But um, if she's listening to this, she knows who she is. That's funny. And I tapped, and I was like, you got me. I mean, that was just dumb. Yeah. You know, if they, we were. I, I was playing checkers, and she was playing chess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, like, uh, I remember being in a tournament, and we were in his kids. I was a corner for one of my kiddos, and then uh, the kid was on my kid's back. And then uh, I was like, his feet are crossed. Catch his foot. And then the guy, the coach leaned in, he goes, hey, man, footlocks aren't illegal. And I was like, he's not going for a foot lock if you're out of position. He's just trying to escape. So if your kid stays with his feet crossed, then he's if he taps, that's on him. And then he shrugged. He was like, all right. And then he kept cornering. And it was uh, it was funny. It was just a little epiphany where I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I think he recognized that, like, well, I shouldn't be teaching my kids to cross their feet, too. And it was just a fun little, a, a friendly back mm-hmm. and forth. And then we shook hands. But... Uh, yeah man um it's just funny how those little things can take place and those little basics go a long way understanding
1: right yes yes so what i really love let me just um say this what i really love about ohana west is that we're very accommodating to people we're very hospitable jim everybody who comes by says you know the vibe is so positive and everybody's great i mean that's ultimately what brought me back, you know, to eventually join the team, you know. Because
0: you were going to go to another gym, mm-hmm. and then you were talking with Sean, and Sean mm-hmm. was checking in, right? I'm sorry to take him.
1: A- no, yeah, no, shout out to Sean, who never stopped, like, he, I remember one time I texted him, and I said, look, I'm already going to another gym, so I'll let you know if anything changes. He's like, all right, and then he texted me again just to see how I was doing. <laughs> like, it was, like, super nice, you know, I was like, oh, you know what, I'm going to go back there, go and uh, I had some friends that were already training there anyway, so... Yeah, yeah that's awesome man. But I love the fact that you know um, as a professor, you're not closed-minded you know like you, you have an open mind and you realize that you're not the um, you're not the end-all be-all. you're not, you're not, you're not like Moses of Jiu Jitsu, you know Oh yeah like where you are open to other approaches, you're open to other ways of looking at things. One of the first uh, instances I saw of that, like this open-mindedness which by the way, I think having an open mind allows us to grow mm-hmm. as a gym. Uh, I remember you were showing a technique and it was Shane, shout out to Shane, uh, who's who's just very technical as well. And he's like, well, didn't you forget to do this or couldn't we do it this way? And you were like, you know what? We can. And it blew my mind. I was like, man, this is a place where you can grow. Because if your professor acted like he knew it all or she knew it all and everybody's wrong and they're the only person that's right, then I think you're in the wrong gym. You're definitely not going to grow.
0: Well, I, I had to play my cards right in that moment, right? So he, what he did was very disrespectful. And what happened to him? <laughs> his, his knees broke. That's it, you know? So I just had to take him to the side, put a <laughs> bag on his Harding head, throw him in a
1: van, and did like a Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan moment?
0: Yeah, man. But uh, it's it's one of those things where how dare you? <laughs> I was like, see, guys, we can all get better. And I grabbed the back of his neck and I walked off and I said, "You're gonna pay for this in his ear, right?" So, <laughs> but yeah, no, man. Shane is amazing and I and I love that. Like, um, I invite that, and I, I it makes me feel so good whenever people do that because. Um, i'm a joker i'm a person that will you know do something and sometimes uh as a as a joke uh it might be a, it might not be at somebody's expense in a way where i'm putting you down but you know we joke about each other and we got to have a sense of lightheartedness and whenever we whenever i do have that in mind and i'm teaching and then somebody volleys something back at me and says hey I, I, this is something that you know i i have uh an opinion about um Man, I feel like it's very important to address it, and uh, in order for all of us to get better, man, take it for what it is. If I can, one thing that that I've learned a concept. uh, I I forgot what movie it was, but um, you know, whenever the Vikings, they would like take over. They Hmm. would learn the native language. They wouldn't make the people learn like their language, and they were the ones that were wreaking havoc, taking control. So um, they could force people to do whatever they want, but. To understand and to stay in control, they Mm -hmm. learn and then adopt and then make it a part of theirs. And then not only that, you still have your own language, like Mm -hmm. you know, as far as them. But that's how I feel. And uh, I I was talking about, I had another teammate earlier, I mentioned Jason Wilkinson a long time ago, where it's like uh, getting submitted and then it's like, hey, how did that work? And then Mm -hmm. you learn it. It's like, okay, now it's in my tool bag. Mm -hmm. Now whenever you do step one of it, no, 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 I'm not going to let you complete step one of doing that. Right. Because... I know how it works now right? man
1: that's such a good point um bernardo faria we were talking about him earlier he he so marcelo garcia being his master or whatever yeah got his black belt from him um he did an interview recently with him where he would say that marcelo would get tapped by guys and that marcelo didn't even care you know, like he didn't, this is Marcelo Garcia, you know, the yeah. the goat for some people think he's the greatest yeah. of all time.
0: That's what I was going to mention earlier.
1: ADCC champion, IBJJF, cha- I mean, just multiple time world champion, a class act, very humble guy. Like one of the first to do it, right? One of the first, yes. Yeah. And he doesn't mind getting tapped by, and, and everybody in his gym's lower than him, you know, in terms of experience and all that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, but he doesn't mind. But Bernardo's like, you don't even mind tapping to lower belts, even lower belts. But they'll never do it again. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. learns it. He's like, Okay, I'm gonna let you tap me, but I'm not gonna let you get me in it twice. Right. You know right. So just having that um the attitude of learning, that uh-huh. posture of learning, I think coming in so circling back to coming in at middle age or any age really, like just be a student. Yeah. Just see every every tap even as a opportunity to learn. Right. You know, how can I get out of that? Like a uh, Professor Andres who's now helping out with the seven AM. Yeah. He he was uh
0: He's, He's going to get on here eventually.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's we'll cool. Get him out here. Yeah. He was like my nemesis. Like he beat me up all the time. He swept me I don't know, over a thousand times, I'm sure. Oh, but wow. he taught me a lot about my base and how to not get swept, you know. Mhm. So that that really helps out a lot. But let's say I was just a I had this inflated ego of myself. This image that you know, people can't beat me and I don't want to get beat per mm-hmm. se. I don't think I would learn I would just get angry that I was getting swept all the time, and I wouldn't right. try to figure it out, you know. And I think at some point in our
0: lives, whenever we're established, whenever you're, you've had a family, or I say and or, you've paid a mortgage, or you've had a, you're in a career, you had a career, or you've just been invested in something for years, and you know what what uh, that kind of energy is. You know, I have a lot of respect for those guys that are a little bit older and those ladies that are a little bit older whenever they get on the mat and then they do that consistent, you know, they have that consistent road that they travel where it's like, damn, you can see them investing and then shedding the ego where, you know, there's people that are doctors and there's all kinds of walks in life and, you know, they might, you don't have to be successful. You don't, I say successful, you don't have to have like, you know, everything in the world to get on the mat, but you have all these people that come together. Like, why not? Uh, the older demographic gives jujitsu a try, right? And I believe mm-hmm. having the proper atmosphere is going to keep that in check. Having like that kind of situation mm-hmm. where, um, if you cater to your teammates, I love that you said that. I think I'm going to go ahead and like adopt that. Where, uh, your uh, Ishmael, he says, mm-hmm. uh, take care of your teammates, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I might not say tap early and tap fast, but uh, I believe that on the mat, on the practice mat. Don't treat it like it's IBJJF. Don't treat it like it's Worlds. Don't treat it like a super fight. It's one of those things where you get caught and understand that for what it is, right? Yeah. And that's funny how that can be for any mm-hmm. any age. I think that part is going to be easy for somebody in their, in their midlife to understand, a little bit older to understand, the, to preserve themselves. But to just walk through the door and to shed the ego and say, like, I don't know anything about yes. this. Let me uh, put on this white belt and yep. uh, pretty much just like a the business casual button up and then just the tag that says i'm I'm new trainee Mm -hmm. and you're you know in your 40s like that's super cool man I, i have a lot of respect for guys that are that are doing that and um you know shout out to them because we've got quite a few that are on the mat and uh it's very encouraging it's very it's very powerful we need uh all those types of folks on the mat just To continue adding to the atmosphere, to continue giving and helping us grow in our perspective, and uh, to make sure that I believe it pays some kind of homage to those guys that are like Ilio that uh, used to train um, until they were, you know, just about to to pass, you know, and it's it's insane to think that ten days it was ten days before. That's what I read. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, still, that's cool. You didn't. You, that's not what somebody told you in an audible or in a
1: YouTube. No. <laughs> yeah. Man, it was so cool. Uh, real quick, there's a guy named Mario who came and he trains. I think at headquarters. Yeah, right? man. The, and... I was thinking
0: about Mario too. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the
1: first time. Shout him out, yeah. It was the first time I met anybody who was older than me. Yeah. On the Mac, because typically I'm the oldest one. You know, even if it's just by a couple of years, but typically I'm the oldest one. And I'm, um, when you get to my age, you're always thinking about age, which is really annoying. You know, you're yeah. always thinking about it, but. Yeah. I saw Mario in there, and I didn't want to assume, you know, that he was much older, but I just assumed, okay, he's a little bit older than me, probably. Mm-hmm. twenty full years older, the guy's 67, Man, and he's training, way. yeah, and he's going super hard. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know, that really encourages me. Um, awesome. Yeah.
0: And he continues to train, like, he came over, and he was saying, like, he was, like, I'm a... Uh... I'm just going to come over here for a little bit because of gas. Like, damn, that's crazy whenever gas is making you go to the closer the closer branch. Mm-hmm. So he was over for just a little bit. And then he went back, and then um, and uh, uh, the dude's still getting after it. I was feeling like, oh, no, like he uh, got hurt at our gym, right? And he was like, no, no, I called him. He was like, no, he's – I just uh, – just going back to the to the home I'm just comfortable with, with my family over there i'm just gonna i missed him so all right that's no problem man and uh it's a, it's it's awesome though just to see how he can avoid that i'm glad that he didn't get like injured on like with us oh yeah but just following that routine just making sure he's continuing just to to preserve himself but at the same time you see him going hard you see him trying to like get it where he can and i think just being um having that recognition right of whenever you're rolling with him, if I were to be his age, and um, at his skill level, I think you know we could go pretty hard. But then that would be tournament time still. I mean, that's like, I mean, thirty five and a thirty five year old going hard at it. It's gonna if you go one hundred percent, you're gonna hurt yourselves, right? So mm-hmm. it's funny how um, if you want to preserve yourself in jujitsu, you got to keep these things in mind. Or we can have just an episode and talk about, oh, if you're older, like these are the things you gotta do. But yeah. it's funny how I feel like these principles. Are I feel like, like
1: you can f- future proof your jujitsu now. Yeah. No matter what age you are. You know, like right now, you can immediately stop doing those things that are gonna injure you. Right. You know what I mean?
0: I like that. Future proof your jujitsu now, right? Yeah. It sounds like a pamphlet. <laughs> yeah. like walking into the Well, I mean,
1: there's just things you can do with your body when you're 20 something or even in your early 30s. That you're not going to be able to do. So don't build a game based on like flashy stuff. Probably, yeah. 100%. Like jumping, flying stuff. I mean, those are all great, great to do. But you know, eventually, you're not going to be able to do that anymore.
0: That high <laughs> impact, right? And that's like high mm-hmm. impact stuff. So that'd be scary to uh, to see somebody do, it, and then like boom. Yeah. Their back is out. Man, even inverting, <laughs>
1: inverting will eventually catch up to anybody. Yeah. It's just constantly inverting and, and putting all that pressure on your spine. That's not a sustainable game plan. <laughs>
0: yeah, our brown belt art man, he has that super basic. Just I'm just gonna sit in side control on top mm-hmm. of you and get in the half side control, and then uh um, I'm gonna go ahead and just put my shoulder
1: in your face and let gravity help out. You know, something that I wanted to. <laughs> yes, and I appreciate that. To be honest, when I think about like a street fight, art style is safe. Yeah, it's good because he wants to be on top. Right. He wants to be able to deliver strikes. Yeah. You know, and he wants to just control you, and maybe that. That might make a boring jujitsu match, but on the street, he'd be pretty safe, I think.
0: And one of the other episodes is so funny when I say that I feel like <laughs> I'm like I'm shouting myself out, like underneath everything. Like in, in one of my other episodes, if you've been listening, uh, I mentioned GSP and GSPs. Uh, they always call him like a wet blanket, you know. Mm-hmm. They, I say they like boring. Half, yeah, half the yeah. crowd, right? Other than half, they understand the genius behind his game plan, which now I look back on it and I agree is is very good in retrospect. Um, you know, and he had Donner on his side in his mm-hmm. corner, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just like having that. It doesn't matter if it's flashy. If you understand what you got to do, then that's what you need to apply. And yeah. uh, I think there are people that are amazing, like Clay Guida, Diego Sanchez. Like that fight was awesome, right? Mm. Stephen Bonner, Forrest Whitaker. Like those fights that were like you know they were like uh, like staples in the UFC that helped kind of you know springboard boredom, right? But then, Probably like
1: Robbie Lawler too.
0: Robbie Lawler, bro. Robbie those Lawler guys. and uh and Rory <laughs> McDonald. I got that signature right here. That one, bro. That's like man, that was, that was one of the twenty fifteen
1: fights. Yeah. That's when Robbie's lip got split wide open and they <sighs> both were just bloody messes.
0: And then the round was over, not the fight, just the round, and then they like faced off and stared at each other, man, like dude.
1: Blood that, dripping. Wow, man.
0: That man, I wanna put that on right now, bro. That was that was a fight, man. That was a barn burner. Robbie Lawler, yeah. Rory McDonald. I think that was a second fight. Is mm-hmm. that the second one?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think
0: so. You got to check that out. I'm going to put the link up somewhere on the, on the a link on the bottom somewhere of our, our video whenever I post it. But um, that one was amazing. But those, um, just to kind of go back, right? Those are awesome barn burners that like take years off your life, Big right? Time. So this is something that t- that's related. You see Forrest Griffin, And, uh, did I say Forrest Whitaker earlier?
1: Yeah, but that's okay. Jesus Christ. I I, I understood what you were saying. I do
0: that all the time. (laughs) Earlier with the other episode with Mike, I was over here. We were talking about four seconds, 0.4 seconds with the, the Lakers and the Spurs. Oh. And then, uh, Derek Fisher hit it. He just drained it and won. And I was so down about that. I remember that moment, that memory. And then I'm over here like talking, right? So sure and confident. I'm like, yeah, Bobby Fisher.
1: Oh, the chess player! Oh my God, bro, <laughs> such an
0: idiot! I'm over here like, yeah, and then and then Mike's so cool, Derek Fisher, I'm like, yeah,
1: oh yeah, Derek Fisher. Anyway. Man, bro, that's an understandable mistake, bro.
0: Hey, it's why we have this episode, man. Whenever we're talking about our midlife,
1: <laughs> just it's
0: kind it. of mix names up sometimes, right? So Forrest Griffin and um, Stefan Bonner, that fight was amazing. And then you fast forward to the next couple fights, and then you got freaking Forrest Griffin and Anderson Silva. The sniper, the guy that will avoid and and is so elusive with mm-hmm. his striking. Turn around, he'll pop you and put you out, right? So mm-hmm. he just like made him like well, he just made a toy of him so easy, right? And guess what? Where where like I don't want to say anything bad because I'm not putting um, you know Forrest down. I love him. He was one of my favorite fighters. I was reading his book um, before that fight even happened. I'm a fan, um, but look at what like how it kind of derailed. He never bounced back. Um, and that doesn't have anything to do with the health-wise, but look at Anderson Silva, how he's still taking boxing matches on at, like, 40-something years old mm-hmm. and winning and, like, mm-hmm. KOs, like, knocking people out, like, yeah. undeniable. I believe I'm going to have him on next week, and he's going to talk about how he has sustained his uh, career for so long. So Anderson Silva, you yeah, going to have him on? Yeah, I'm going to need you to help me translate a little bit yeah uh but i'm gonna uh (laughs) hello (laughs) billy
1: i'm glad to be back here billy i'm so happy (laughs) it's amazing he's such a soft-spoken like murderer
0: (laughs) bro if you could right imagine like if you just had a posse of like guys like in a behind you and they're just like mike tyson Anderson Silva, so and like, you just hear
1: their voices. <laughs> They're just hyping like, you up. <laughs> if you didn't know anything about fighting or combat sports, and you were to hear their voices and you judge how dangerous they are based on their voices, man, the right? Anderson Silva, and Mike Tyson, they don't sound very dangerous.
0: I need some. I'm not I don't even got to cry. I need one of you three people listening out there to make the like the animate the animation of like instead of uh, the love connection, it's like the fight connection, and it's like a nerd with the deep voice, and then Anderson Silva and Mike Tyson is one, two, and three, and then be like, yeah, you know what? I want to take on number two.
1: Like, all right, yeah. <laughs> Man, but you know, you're bringing up something that's really interesting because like, uh, there's there's these memes now about like what peak physical performance looks like, and it's like this dad bod, or this dude with a big old beer belly. Tyson Fury, baby. Man, some people like Daniel Cormier are just top of the food chain athletes, Man. wrestlers, fighters, and they just don't look like it. You know, yes, yeah, Stipe, he's not
0: like the most athletic looking one. He's not like a chubby guy. Like
1: Or Israel Adesanya, tall, skinny, but man, he's just uh, the best, right? That's true. There are so many differences that I think that what's important, anybody coming into jujitsu in their 40s or even somebody just starting, they got to understand that there are differences between people. I mean, people are different. Mm-hmm. Everybody comes to jujitsu uh, where the ground is uneven, the yeah. ground is uneven for us. You know, we, we come to jiu at the same moment in our lives, you know, that we make a decision to get on the mats, but our journey is going to be a little different. Right. Some people are going to have more of an uphill journey, especially those that are in their 40s already, um, because your body's just not able to do what what you, you were able to do when you were younger. But some people are just naturally gifted athletically. You know, we've trained with people who are... One of my one of the stories I tell a lot of times is about this kid. Yeah, <laughs> like too. a
0: nineteen year old randomly comes in and just bench presses people off of. Him. Jeez, yes, he's very strong.
1: <laughs> uh, there was a guy named Armando. His name was Armando, but not the kid Armando, which he is a another. Beast. He's another phenom. He's a phenom him to Armando, Vegas. shout out to Armando.
0: Right.
1: Uh, no, this guy was uh, probably six foot two or something. Just a big uh, Hispanic guy that came in, and. He freaking, like, did a Turkish getup with me on his arm.
0: Oh, my God. Like,
1: he was, like, maybe in the first week of training, and he was so strong. Like, I took him down past his guard, and I was trying to do, like, an Americana on him. And he just stood up with me, like, and and lifted me over his head. So I'm there in the air on his arm, and I'm like, okay, well, this is not going to work.
0: Rampage style. Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: And eventually, we did a wrestling class together, and that's how I broke my hand, was, like, going with this big, strong ox you know, and he would he would also like kick the Muay Thai bags yeah. and he would shake the whole gym. I mean, the guy was just Oh, wow. a physical specimen, but that said, you know, like there are differences in our strength levels and our how fast we recover our our abilities, all that stuff, and we have to always remember that, you know, not everybody's the same and not everybody sees jiu-jitsu the same way either. Yeah. You know, where some people might say jiu-jitsu is competition. That's all it is. I think although I respect that view of it, I think that's that doesn't encompass everything.
0: Man, I think what you're saying it hit the nail on the head for some different topics that I talk about with like having um, the right kind of mentality, right, to, to grow, and then how it helps out with that mental whenever you do train. But also, I have another episode where we talk about um, get building a game for you, and it just I just like put it out just like two days ago. But it's like building a game that's just that's gonna be good for you. But it touches about where is like where is jujitsu at? I and I love it because. It's, it's a timeless message, and, and jiu-jitsu is an on-mo- on-moving thing. It's a growing organism, like a, a baby or a mm-hmm. business, something that constantly feeds and then kind of morphs as you see the best in the world are doing a little bit different every time, techniques, maybe even really different techniques all the time, different uh, at times. But um, understanding where you are and then where the game is And then where the game is in your atmosphere at your gym, like what does everybody play? Like I teach smash and pass, I teach a lot of top game, I teach a lot of takedown. So then are you playing like into that or are you going to start like adopting some of like a Chris York's game or uh, some of David's game where you play off of your back, you pull guard and then you start working from there, which is totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But understanding where jujitsu is at so then you can turn around and then um, be familiar with pulling guard and then knowing that somebody's not just going to snatch your foot and then sit down and then mm-hmm. ankle lock you because your foot's just in the air and it's not building some kind of frame, some kind of guard, right? So mm-hmm. what's, uh, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you. It's a very generic question, but what is your system kind of like? What, what do you say that you what do you go for? What do you try to flow into? And then what do you do, um, to, to help you get the finish? I think, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be an old person, you know, like yeah. kind of approach it's just what's your interest what is it that you try to go for
1: yeah i, I definitely see myself as a top player mm-hmm. you know because i have a background in rugby okay i just feel comfortable like trying wow, to tackle people you did mm-hmm. rugby mm-hmm. what? When? yeah where <laughs> yeah, the year was 1993 okay, okay it was a long time so uh, from 90 uh, late 92 to 94 so about two years i played for the university of houston Play rugby. Mm Oh man. Luckily, I never got injured because it was just, um, I mean, just imagine telling, like, white belts to just, like, uh, organize a competition amongst themselves.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's just
1: wild, you know, and and we, luckily, we had a a New Zealand, uh, a coach from New Zealand who just happened to know the game very well and how to train athletes, so uh, luckily, I didn't get injured.
0: That is such a blessing, right? It's like sometimes you're like, how did I get by doing that? And it's just like, oh, yeah, sometimes you got those random people that just, like, help
1: you. I had this roommate from Peru, and he was the craziest Peruvian guy. Like, he was just always drinking, always drunk, and, and he wanted to play rugby. And so it wasn't um, an official sport. Mm-hmm. It was more of a club, right? Okay. So anybody could join. Anybody could walk on. So he came out on the first day, got hammered, and then he jumped into the game and broke his collarbone, like, oh first my play. God. <laughs> oh, no. You know? Um and it's after, like, telling him to be careful and how to fall and all that stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of parallels with jiu-jitsu there.
0: I was just about to talk about, I was just about to bring that up. There's a kid that did that same thing with his collarbone injury, not drinking, though. He was a kid. He was in my kid's class. And uh, <laughs> he had a good attitude. He had, he had like, a, 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 I say a good attitude, but it was just, like, a very uh, headstrong. You know what I mean? Not necessarily, it was stubborn a little bit. But he was picking up what was good for him in his game and then Mm -hmm. flying with it. And he would dive and he would roll wrong in a forward shoulder roll. And I would constantly tell him, like, hey, you got to not go for distance and don't roll like a hot dog. You're going to want to try to tuck your chin and roll over your shoulder and over your back. Try to get your back to touch the ground. Try to avoid hitting your shoulder. And so he was just like, I got it. He would roll hard and he would slap the mat hard. And it was just one of those awkward angles, right? And the dude broke his collarbone. I feel so bad, right? And um, yeah, man, it's just one of those same things. Like you try to talk to people, you try to tell them, and you try to help them out. Mm-hmm. And then the parents were not too happy about it. They didn't bring him back. He didn't even like it. And Alyssa saw him at a at a playground whenever she was taking Kaylee to softball practice, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Hey, what's up?" He goes,
1: "Oh, it's you." Oh, <laughs> so this is kind of like, So I know we were uh, just so that way. We loop back. Uh, I don't know how much time we have, but we're good. That way we loop back to um, my game and what I think my game is becoming. Um, I'll tell a little story about that idea of like yeah, yeah, yeah. warning somebody, like trying to give them tips and trying to make sure they're safe. And then you just like, psh, they don't listen and they get hurt. So, uh, when I was a white belt, I was uh, rolling with this kid who was super stoned. Yeah. Like he was, he reeked, I mean bad and everybody knew it. And, but he also looked like, while uh, the professor was explaining the technique, uh, he was like falling asleep too. You know, like he was oh, really no. out of it. And so I leaned over. I mean, I know, what it, I know what it smells like. So I realized, okay, this guy's really high right now. And I said, look, probably not a good idea for you to roll, right? Because you're not – I bet you're feeling kind of tired. I was trying to be nice, you know, like, hey, I, I know you're really yeah. high. You should probably step off the mat. And he's like, no, I'm fine. And he's just a hard-headed kid. Like, oh, no. he was probably 20 years old. Yeah. And um, – You know, I mean, if you're really, really high, your motor skills aren't going to be up to par. Yeah. You know, and so we went for takedowns. So I wrapped him up in a body lock and I was trying to take him down in the way that's the most gentle as possible. You know, so I was like wrapping up his arms and I was just going to fall back with him, like let him fall gently so he didn't get hurt. But he ended up freaking out and he just like went on panic mode, like red alert, panic mode, berserk, and he spazzed out. And as he was falling, he broke his fall with a straight extended arm. Which, if you don't know this, uh, you have to learn how to fall. You don't extend your arms yeah, don't uh, to fall directly on the mat because you're going to break something. So luckily, he didn't break his arm. Oh, but man. when I when I fell, my knee fell right onto his finger, and it like snapped his tendon in his index finger. And his finger was just pointing straight up like this. <laughs> oh, like it, yeah. I mean, I know you guys can't see this, but his finger was just out of whack right so and he was point, like, he was like up. he was like yelling and like all that 90 stuff degrees mm-hmm. 90 degrees on the knuckle 90 degrees yeah in a way oh, that 80. like you literally have to bend it all the way up to make <laughs> it go that way oh, oh but um strangely his parents were there like his parents would go with him and they got so mad like they they were angry at me and i had to say hey look we told him not to roll he, you know he's super high and he didn't listen because it's a combat sport you know you're probably gonna get hurt yeah, if you're yeah. not careful yeah you know, just like smoking a lot of weed and trying to drive a forklift. I mean, you're going to yeah. have an accident, yeah. probably.
0: Yeah. What you were know. you trying to do? I was just trying to get that stuff high.
1: I was trying <laughs> to lift it, right? Oh, just trying to lift, <laughs> yeah. trying
0: to lift up that stuff. I was, what were you doing that for? Why are you smoking? Well, I was trying to get it high. <laughs> anyway, dad joke, sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, so, okay. So, from the beginning, from um, my beginning in Jiu-Jitsu, uh, I've always focused on takedowns and yeah. I want to be able to take somebody down. And I feel like it's like working out my arms and not even paying attention to my legs. Yeah. You know those guys that like, you know, Mm -hmm. you can tell like you got to do a leg day every now and then. Yeah, yeah. I just reluctantly, stubbornly never worked on guard Mm -hmm. my first year of jujitsu. Okay. And so I was overly confident with takedowns. guard, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Overly confident with takedowns, but I didn't even know how to pull guard, Mm -hmm. you know? So the first competition I did, I lost miserably because I got taken down. Mm -hmm. And so it's a... It's like a bullheaded, uh, stubborn attitude to like only want to focus on one thing. Right. You know, so the game is going to be um, unequal or it's not going to be very um, complete. Right. You know, it's going to have a weakness like Ronda Rousey. Yeah. For example. I was thinking or Chuck Conor Dale. McGregor. Yeah. He's really good with striking, but when he gets taken down, it just looks like he's a white belt all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So exactly. one of my friends that I used to train with, who's the classic blue belt that never came back, you know, but he was really good. And. Uh, he was a student of jujitsu. he's always watching videos to learn and that kind of thing and he would say, "Look, just start on your back yeah <laughs> like just yeah. lay down and start on your back good. and so I developed that as a habit but I think now i I depend on it too much because some guys want to stand up with me and i'll like sit down yeah and and I know that doesn't encourage good uh, training for competitions but that's just what I needed to do and now my guard is a little better you know it's um you know i'm I'm working on it
0: but you recognize where the game is. You're you're not actively telling a competitor like, Hey, all right, let's go ahead and slap hands bump fist, sit down. Like right. do you you've been you know what the situation is, you know how pulling guard works, you know how takedowns work, you know the point system, you know the motivation or the momentum mm-hmm. you're trying to build in a match. So it's not necessarily needing that that proof right. that you know it, right? So it kinda yeah. takes it back to like shedding that ego. Like you understand. Mm-hmm. Now we sit down, we roll. You're we're uh you know, hopefully we're never at that point where we're having just to lay down and then avoid us just being choked out. But at the same time, I guess it is kind of a blessing to be old enough to be able to do yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah,
1: and for all my teammates who... Because I know I, there are teammates who... They have probably rolled me, and they, and they probably think, well, okay, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I have a hard time or whatever. But what I want to say to all those teammates is sometimes I don't train with you because when you're my age, you have, like, a confidence issue. Yeah, And mm-hmm. it's not about... Am I good or not? It's like, can I even do this right now? Yeah. Like, you just feel the physical limitations. And you're like, I don't think I'll give that person a good enough role with me because I'm just not, you know, I just don't feel very good right now. Yeah. And that's something that you you start experiencing when you hit 40, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, which, I, <laughs> like, right now I'm injured, you know. And um, I, sometimes I just can't do what everybody's doing because of an injury, you know, and I have to be very conscientious of it, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I understand that, but being having that uh, that in mind, and then rolling with that, and not just letting it go out, it's, it's important. It's I think it's detrimental to the preservation of mm-hmm. of our journey, of our body, of what we're trying to achieve, and uh, it's it's necessary to keep that that conscious. Yeah, right? um, I do. There was there is a story that I I, I learned I heard from uh, an old teammate, uh, old professor, BGT uh, guy um pateta does that what does that mean goofy is that what does pateta mean
1: Hmm. is it potato no maybe maybe
0: i got <laughs> no well maybe it does but maybe i got the nickname
1: okay mistaken right okay. um
0: anyway it's just an old teammate maybe i'm it's good that i got the name wrong uh and
1: i don't know if it's potato guys so don't <laughs> are I you know, professor right?
0: potato i know people are gonna like look it up and there's gonna be like all like f- like five different professors and you know they're gonna find and uh anyway I was chatting with them, and uh, <laughs> there was a story they were telling me where a uh, professor was gonna be. He was gonna be uh, refereeing a match, and he was uh, in the parking lot. and He was smoking beforehand, so he was in there just chilling. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it got time where he had to go. And he was uh, brushing out there, so he made it out. Everything was all right. He was uh, on time for his match. So the match is starting as a very important match, and uh, he's watching it. and He's getting like uh, into it. And then the guy's like choking the other guy out and he's impressed by the technique. And then the guy's choked unconscious and he's like watching and everybody's like, Hey referee, stop it. And he's like, Oh shit. He dives onto the guys and he stops the match. And he was like, so he was watching the match from the audience perspective. <laughs> he was like, I was, I was appreciating what was happening and everybody was just yelling at me. Hey, stop, stop. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. um, Man, it was just a it was a funny situation, but uh, yeah, it was that. Whenever they told me that, I, I got a good chuckle out of it. Yeah, you know those those stories they uh, they do affect me. They do affect you whenever you want to mess with that. So,
1: oh, speaking of story, um, I said I would come back to a story about uh, why I started doing Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, it just reminded me of. So what what's really cool about uh, Ohana West is the fact that, you know, it's growing. Mm-hmm. And there's room for growth, and there's room, you allow room for other people to uh, kind of go into leadership roles as well. Yeah. And I remember a time when we didn't have beginners class, and then some of us got together with you and were like, hey, let's do a beginners class. Yeah. And now we have like a thriving beginners program, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a workaround, you know, when we want to divide the class, we actually have a place for them to go. And I right. really think that they appreciate that. So one of the students who was like day one trial student, and I don't know her name. I'm not even going to try to identify who she is. But uh, <laughs> we, we um, like you said earlier, whenever there are uneven or odd numbers, you have to fill in, right? So you got to yeah. jump in there. So I jumped in there with her and we were like working on guard passing or something. And I felt something hard like in her, um, under her pants and her gi like by her ankle. Oh, no. And I was trying to like grab her pants and, and you know, kind of like leg drag And I remember I felt something and she goes, no, come here, let me show you what this is. And she pulls up her pants and it's, uh, well, not her pants, but she pulls up the leg, the ankle, and I could see there's a a GPS monitor on her leg. You got an ankle like that. Yeah, right. (laughs) She's like, um, so you see this? So this is why I do jujitsu because I got this. I can't use a gun anymore. So I got to find a way to kill people. Oh my God,
0: bro. (laughs) you came to the right place. You came to the right place, you know?
1: (laughs) But, you know, just going, like, everybody's there for a different reason, you know? Like, for a lot of us, we're there. (laughs) Jiu-jitsu is just, like, uh, it's working out, you know? It's just getting healthy. It's being active, you know, getting your heart rate up, which, I don't know, um, I'm probably saying this for the first time for a lot of people, but, because I don't talk about it with everybody, Mm -hmm. but there are times where my heart goes out of control when I'm rolling and I have to stop, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So for some people, just getting on the mat to roll three or four rounds is a victory in right. and of itself. You know, uh, For some people, just not getting tapped in for one day is, is like, that's jiu-jitsu for them. Right. For others, you know, it's like wanting to compete at the sport level. For others, it's self-defense, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I would say that no matter who you are, whether you're 40 and up or you're just coming into it, don't let somebody else define jiu-jitsu for you. You know, like you got to find how jiu-jitsu is going to help you the best. But I think the common denominator in all the different ways that we can see jiu-jitsu is uh, community.
0: 100%. I like that. The community. It's it's true. so, so true. Like uh, I've always like, I always put like a little disclaimer on the stuff that I say about jiu-jitsu because I feel like it's coming from my perspective and it's not the end all be all like you said. And uh, it just gives us the freedom to take everything with a grain of salt. I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu, and I'm just so glad that I can be versed at something that I can just put these mics up and then talk a little bit about it. But I like that it gives jujitsu forces us to have to, to go in that uncomfortable spot to learn about it. And then this is just kind of prying at that, poking at that a little bit. This podcast is about, you know, what are these, like, um these taboo elements that we run into that even sometimes might even turn us away. You know, I'm, old, I'm too old for this sport, right? Some yeah. people might say that. You know, I know a lot of folks that feel that way. So it's like, you know, those are things that are respectable, that we can address, that we could talk about. You know, what can we do to work around that? Because if I end up, you know, something happens to me and I'm limited, I don't want to just say like, oh, I can't do this sport. Mm-hmm. Damn, man, no. You know, I'm not saying that that's what defines me, but I also believe that this is also what helps us uh define who we are in a way where we overcome obstacles. So by saying I gotta get in shape to do jujitsu or I'm too old to do jujitsu or Mm-mm. you know, I'll wait until this date, you know, like whatever, like you gotta just hop into it then,
1: you know. You just gotta get in. You just got to. You gotta get in and, and make sure you're in a gym that's understanding. Right. You know, uh and Ohana West is the perfect place, you know, especially for people my age. Um I would like to one day have an open mat, a midlife rollers open mat. Yeah. Where guys 40 and up can come together. Um, You know, training with people our age is really refreshing, you know, Mm -hmm. because we're all kind of thinking the same things. We're all being very careful and trying not to hurt each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, our energy levels often we match a little bit better, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so um, this past week in Denver, rolling with guys who are like Master 3 and Master 4, it was really great. Wow. It felt really nice to roll. I felt like I was like maybe better than what I actually (laughs) am, you know? but um that
0: because it does help you right It, it sharpens does. you that's why there's
1: it's, it's aware that's why there's you know weight oh, wow. divisions and age divisions for for example some people are going to like their anomalies like cyborg mm-hmm. who's yeah right early 40s right. and he's still killing it at the adult level insane not everybody's like you know not everybody's a cyborg you know not everybody's an anderson silva mm-hmm. you know what i mean or um a it's gordon true. ryan even yeah Right. You know, so there's all those limitations that we have to just consider. I'm not saying limit yourself to where now you can't do anything, but you just gotta have that humility, knowing that, you know, mm-hmm. you have some limitations and you gotta yeah. be careful with that. Uh, be mindful of it anyway. So, but my game, the game that I think I have, I think I'm trying to just understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my game is definitely I want to be on top. You know, yeah. I want to pass the legs. And it's usually some upper body submission or, you know, Americana or a Kimura or some collar choke or something like that. Um, what I'm trying to be more uh, efficient at is my guard and attacking from my guard. Diversifying the guard, you know, like trying to build layers of defense, you know, mm-hmm. like a lasso defense or a spider defense, uh, half guard, even like going into deep half. Just trying to be more diversified yeah. in my guard playing. You know that's So I'll start from my back a lot, and, mm-hmm. and it's you got to swallow the humble pie because you're probably going to get past a lot.
0: Yeah, with the investment process, right? You know? And it's important because you have a guard, and your guard works for a certain game and what happens whenever the game changes. So you got to be able to change your guard in <laughs> yep. that. So you have to get good, and then you have to get good with something that's also moving. That, that At the moment, if it's not a drill, they don't want you to get good at it, so then you have to constantly make those adjustments on the fly and it's a beautiful thing I always say I like I say it just like this Jitsu doesn't give a fuck about us it's you know it's a law of the jungle like mm-hmm. you respect it and it doesn't even mean you're gonna win because mm-hmm. if somebody respects it and applies it faster then you're just gonna yes. you're gonna drown you yes. know maybe you're good enough to defend but you're not gonna win just by applying the rules correct which is cool mm-hmm. so you know our game they can preserve our us it can help us maybe get a quick win it can help mm-hmm. us get a uh, uh, strategic win depending mm-hmm. on the rule settings, right? All these kinds of ways we can win in a way where we don't get hurt where we might not risk ourselves too much maybe pulling guard is a, as a more preserving kind of move that will help you last longer as a as a jiu-jitsu player uh, because of the low impact and the less stress and the fact mm-hmm. that you've got to put that load on your on your body to try to tip somebody over you can get the game going and if you're comfortable and strong enough then you can start developing right away which is like uh, man, this is cool, I just thought about it, man. I should have thought about this a long time ago to remind myself to say it right now. Uh, Michael Jordan, whenever he was earlier in his career, he mm-hmm. was he was driving to the down the lane. He was like flying in the air, mm-hmm. dunking, winning dunk contests, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Then what happened later in his career? Now he's able to see the court a little bit yep. different. He's shooting, shooting the from three, the perimeter. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And he's able to go ahead and be super effective and a game that was super tough at the time, where yeah. they would go and check you, and you wouldn't get called. Like nowadays, like the, it, it is a, a, a perimeter game, and you know you are like it's favored for the smaller guys. So you got to have a faster Curry. team, right? Exactly. So um, Michael Jordan made the adjustments, and it's so cool to think somebody that of that caliber at another level if you can take that and it doesn't have to be about basketball it can be about the way he had his philosophy about Mm -hmm. the sport now it
1: preserves him and makes
0: him effective so pulling guard and working off your back
1: that's a good point you know developing a different game you know as you change with the game as well and as your body changes Mm -hmm. i think now i I see myself also changing to more of a game where i want to slow things down right because i can't keep up Yeah, if you got somebody like Edward who is just a monster or Kai, these guys that are just phenomenal jujitsu guys, I can't keep up with that. You know, (laughs) like I cannot keep. Uh, Lorenzo, shout out to Lorenzo who runs like he's got an incredible gas tank. So I can't match that energy level. So I have to develop a game where I slow him down, try to at least, you know, Um, and be more controlling. So when when you're rolling with me, I might get to a position and like holding it a little longer than. I'm just like, catching my breath, you know. I'm just trying to stop you right, I got for you. what you're doing. But, you know, what you said um, like about Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What you're saying about Michael Jordan uh, brings up another uh, issue, another topic, really, is that um, many people think, like, you should learn Jiu-Jitsu from the best Jiu-Jitsu athletes. Yeah. But that doesn't really translate. That doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Oh, yeah. If you think about John Danaher, never competed in his life but he's the greatest jujitsu mind that we know of now. Uh, Michael Jordan being arguably the best basketball player of all time, but he was also a coach and he wasn't that good. Yeah, yeah. So good skills on the mats or in the competition uh, mats doesn't translate to good teaching. And so for anybody hearing this, I just want you to be aware, don't let anybody tell you that. Like your professor has to be a world champion or something like that because it's not true. Man, um, you can have a, a wonderful mind for jujitsu, even if your body can't do all the moves. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have a good mind for it as well. Doesn't mean that um, your teaching is not, because those two things don't equal the same. Man, it's beautiful. I'm not the best speaker, public speaker. I have my own style, but I've been teaching public speaking now for 14 years. Mm-hmm. But I'm not the best. Right. Right. Yeah. But I can teach the heck out of it. Like I, re- I have a mind for teaching. I've been studying academically for a long time.
0: I've helped out a couple people. You might know Barack Obama, but you know. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: no, he, he Barack Obama has even got uh, some things he could fix. But, but you know what I'm saying. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I gotcha.
1: You know, in the training industry, in the training and development world, you know, uh, this is sort of the way. The law of the jungle, if you call it, is that those that are the alphas, those that are the best, typically become like the teachers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But in my consulting career as a communication consultant, I would often go to companies who had that set up for their trainers were always the best subject matter expert, for example, engineering or whatever. Mm -hmm. The ones who were the best usually became the trainers. But those people didn't often know how to teach people. Yeah. Right?
0: Or they knew how to do the job.
1: but They They knew how to do the job very well, but they couldn't really create a learning environment that allowed people to to learn right yeah so those those things don't don't translate
0: it's weird like i took a a class in art and the the teacher was like a all you got to do if you want to make this picture look better is put more data on it you can draw a stick figure and it's a man but let's go ahead and put more and more and more on it Mm -hmm. just more data Mm -hmm. and it's funny because you know I think me and you are on the same boat, or I, at least I feel like this about myself, and I think you feel like this about yourself, where we could word bomb in on things for a long time, where we feel like we're being effective with what we're saying, because we're giving data, but it's more in, data. in my mind, I'm thinking, the more data, the more effective, right? More data, more effective, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure there's some people where they're like, all right, let me just learn the technique already and go do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always try to address that. In my mind, it's always a battle, like a balance in my in my head that I got to keep equal, and um, talk, 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 talk. Okay, go do. And then let me, all right, now you fix this, you fix that. All right, everybody, you're not doing this right. Everybody's skipping this. Come together. This is what we need to fix. All right, now everybody go back. Boom, boom, boom. And then we just go ahead and take off. But the more data we deliver, the better, we're, the more effective we are. Mm-hmm. But also it has something to do with the way you deliver the data, right? And the way yes. that we break down a message or way we mm-hmm. f- we deliver a message. My yep. mom always told me whenever I was always saying something that like hurt somebody's feelings, like, well, I didn't mean it like that. And she's like, it's not how you mean it. It's not how you mean it. It's how it's perceived. Like, mm-hmm. you gotta, you got to check yourself. And uh, mm-hmm. as a young kid, maybe I didn't learn it all the way. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a good message. So Liz is probably listening to this later, like, why don't you just do that shit? <laughs> I'm like, sorry.
1: <laughs> no, that's a good message, you know. Um, as The first lesson in my intro class is that um, the messages that we sent are not always the messages that are received. Mm-hmm. So communication is not just spewing information you know it's about what is the person understanding Mm -hmm. you know how Mm -hmm. and there are different learning styles everybody learns in a different way and understanding that there is a a a psychology to learning in general and understanding teaching methods is better than being like let's say a world champion and you really can't teach or train very well Mm -hmm. so um you know that's that's one thing that um has always been attractive to me about jujitsu is just the teaching aspect of it yeah I'm very impressed by people who can communicate things in ways, and they can read the room and realize that um, for this person, maybe doing it is going to help them understand it better. For these people, they need to hear me explain it with maybe different words, right? Right. And there are activities and um, sort of like activities that allow us to learn as well. You know, it's not just talking, Mm -hmm. you know, but maybe drilling in a certain way or having a situational, those kinds of uh, learning environments and those different ways modalities mm. is important it's just to be a good teacher
0: i know i have a lot of dumb dad jokes and stuff but like i, I love to like just make <laughs> references you know things yeah. that i know that there's going to be maybe at least one person in the room and sometimes a lot of people laugh at my stuff but well, if you make it you are making it
1: sticky person. for people you are making them like yeah. for me i want i i've already told billy about this but i'll say it again um the way he angled his foot in one of the techniques yeah. when you use the word camber <laughs> Because I started learning jiu-jitsu from guys who didn't really understand our language very well. Okay. And so they couldn't really explain all the nuance. Mm-hmm. And in teaching jiu-jitsu, there's a lot of nuance. Yeah. There's a lot of detail. Right. And you have to be able to meet the learners where they are, mm-hmm. you know, and be able to kind of assess, you know, yeah. uh, where they're at in and, and their journey. And, and that's all very important.
0: Casting the fishing line, the wrist kind of pops mm-hmm. out. So you want, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, you want to... Yeah, all these kinds of stuff. Tell these kids, sit in your invisible chair. And then they'll just turn around and double leg a kid at a tournament. Yes. It's like, oh, <laughs> man, that's such a beautiful feeling where it's just like, hey. Mm-hmm.
1: It's
0: like uh, just hold their cheeks, sit in your invisible chair. And then it's yep. like, oh, yeah. Boom. And, go blow it, and it's like knock a And that
1: works good for adults, too. You know, uh, all right? I, I, whenever I'm helping out with beginners, I always say, sit in your invisible chair. <laughs> sit in your chair. You're like, oh, oh yeah. I get it. <laughs> Get it and
0: lower, just any level. And like it's cool, man. It's super, super cool, mm-hmm. man. I uh, I appreciate you, brother. I don't know if you might have anything that you might want to say, anything you want to share. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I really appreciate you getting on, sharing everything that you have, and uh, and just giving your perspective on jujitsu, man. I, I appreciate you uh, opening up about your game and what you play. Uh, you uh, basically uh, just dissecting things and sharing your perspective um if there is anything that like you want to um like a message that you want to have for anybody or or the crowd or anybody listening um all six six people <laughs> are <laughs> got open ears
1: uh yeah man just keep training keep training um jiu jitsu is a journey it's a marathon it's not a sprint and uh if you're listening to this and you're like doubting you know can I keep doing this uh yeah you can cuz jiu jitsu is for everybody yep that's it
0: man. that's beautiful brother i appreciate you um it's people like you people like mike there's a lot of different guys that are on the mat that just bring that energy bro and uh you know it, it's it's beautiful to have a family that has a uh, you know tough competitors funny competitors you know fun loving guys you know just every kind of perspective and personality that there is but for uh for you to get out here, for uh, for Mike to get out here, I really appreciate you guys, man. So whenever uh, Mike's out here and he's like, Tony, Tony, Tone, you know, it, it's like uh, it's it uh, makes me happy because I know that our atmosphere has that, that kind of family environment. And, uh, and Definitely. I love it, man. I appreciate you, brother.
1: I love you too, man. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, we'll see you on the mats.
0: Yes, sir. I appreciate everybody. You guys be safe. us